Welcome to the Compass Podcast. Today, we're joined by Anna Bidakova, an investigative reporter at Coindesk. Anna currently lives in Moscow and has spent the last few years reporting on Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining within Eastern Europe and Greater Russia. In this conversation, we discuss Bitcoin mining, crypto legislation, the current war effort, and the state of media in Russia. Anna's talk was definitely the most sober recording we've had to date, and I'd like to thank her for her time yet again. This podcast is presented ad-free by Compass Mining, the largest marketplace for Bitcoin mining. Check out compassmining.io today if you want to buy, sell, or host an ASIC. And now, onto the show. Anna, thank you for joining the podcast today. Really excited and interested and also a little concerned with what this conversation might look like today. Uh, but I want to thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you, Will. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so maybe we could just start off with your credentials and background. Obviously, Coindesk, and then also Columbia as well. But you've been reporting on Russia, Eastern Europe for quite a while, uh, particularly the intersection of Bitcoin and emerging markets there. Uh, can you kind of give us the rundown of what the work you've been doing for the last few years? Uh, so um, I'm investigative reporter at Coindesk at this moment. I'm based in Moscow. Um, and um, I've been here for um, three, I mean, I've been at Coindesk for three and a half year, first reporting from New York. Now um, I'm based in Moscow and uh, I'm writing about a wide range of stuff um, from regulation to crypto mining, um, to uh, scams, to cybercrime, various stuff. And a lot of interesting things are happening here in Eastern Europe. Yeah, you've definitely covered a large swath of topics. And right now you're definitely in the, in the thick of it, especially with all the stuff we've been seeing around the financial war that uh, NATO and its allies are lobbying against Russia in the midst of the Ukrainian conflict. Uh, so that might be a good place to start off. Maybe we can start with your article that you actually published the other day. Uh, I have it here in front of me right now. Uh, it's entitled Rush to Restrict Crypto Trading to Licensed Platforms and Certified Wallets. And there were some very interesting notes in that article, uh, particularly the fact that you received a report from the financial ministry ahead of time of its publication on the financial ministry's website. And even before it's supposed to be passed by parliament, is my understanding, about how Russia plans on regulating crypto to crypto transactions, crypto exchanges, and even crypto mining, which of course has a huge place within the uh, Russian economy at this point and definitely within the Bitcoin economy. Uh, so perhaps we can start off with that article. Can you give our audience uh, a lay of the land for what that article found, the information you found from that document? Uh, from the crypto bill? Yes, yes. Uh, the Ministry of Finance uh, introduced a bill for regulating crypto trading uh, in Russia, and um, the document hasn't been public uh, for a while, so um, I received it from from a legal expert who who was aware of what's what's going on. And uh, basically, the idea is that um, you know people should be able to buy and sell crypto through licensed uh, exchanges, which are um, registered in a certain list of platforms. Uh, which um, have certain obligations for uh, reporting, which must provide information to the um, super to, to to a supervising body that that is to be assigned, and uh, that that they should that they should only um, work with uh, certified wallets. 
which is not completely clear um, what is meant by that. Like, is, is, if there will be, would be any certification procedure for for wallets, like what kind of wallets? Um, but um, that version of the law of, of the bill obviously is pretty early. And um, I mean, if Russia progresses with this bill, it might change along the way. Like normally, it would change um, along the way. Not sure what's going to happen in this uh, extreme situation, but um, there is a lot of, it looks like there is a lot of editing work should happen to this bill before it becomes a normal law that is enforceable and um, enables Russia to regulate crypto, in fact. Certainly, there's going to be some changes beforehand, especially with the conflict we're going we're seeing right now with uh, Ukraine and Russia. One interesting note from an article I saw, I'll just quote you here. Miners in turn will have to report their income to the tax authorities. Russian data centers can provide facilities for miners only if they're owned by Russian entities. Big miners must register in a dedicated list of miners. Small home miners don't have to do that unless they exceed a certain threshold in electricity consumption, which isn't specified in the bill. So if if this did progress in the, the way that the language is included in the document right now, that would certainly be a shakeup for the mining industry within Russia, which uh, according to Cambridge data is about 11% of Bitcoin mining's hash rate in total. It's probably higher, about 15%. So that last survey was done in the summer. Certainly a significant amount of hash rate exists within Russia right now. And this bill would definitely transform things based on how it's written right now. Uh, just to take a step back and, and look at your previous reporting, uh, especially along Bitcoin mining, how do you think about this bill and how do you think it will be implemented when the time comes for paper to be set to pen and for the stamp of approval to be put on this document? Do you think crypto mining in Russia is going to be altered considerably? Will it be nationalized? Will it only just be regulated more? Will this even be stricken from the, uh, or stricken from the document itself? It, like today, we're in the middle of the war, which um, is, is going gonna, is gonna to have much broader implications than uh, just on Ukraine. So um, it's really hard to say how the, the Russian uh, market of mining going to change in this situation, because obviously um, the, the, the economy going to feel really bad. I'm not sure how the electricity market going to be affected, but you know, um, if, if 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 the whole like with the with a broad range of sanctions that we're looking at now, and um, I'm not sure if that's a complete list or some new stuff is coming too. You know, what nobody knows what's what's going to happen to the the economy itself. So, yeah, I'm really, I I don't I really don't feel like making any uh, predictions at this point. No, fair enough. I'm just glad that uh, we got that information because I think within the U.S. market and especially in Western markets right now, people are speculating like what will happen to this part of the Russian economy and therefore the global economy because of the war. And a lot of people are asking about Bitcoin mining in particular. Obviously, there's a self-interest within uh, the Bitcoin ecosystem to ask these questions. Uh, But just taking a step back, since uh, you offer the opportunity here and talking about the war and the sanctions and we saw that over the weekend, a lot of banks will be cut off from the SWIFT system while Russian banks will be cut off from the SWIFT system. And now there's sanctions coming down. We saw this morning that Ukraine is looking to shut down certain crypto wallets and exchanges that are tied to Russian accounts. What is your feeling for the intersection of crypto 
and the Russian war right now are, are a lot of people turning towards crypto within Russia itself. Obviously they are within Ukraine. Uh, can you give us like a sense of where you guys are at with that? Well, I do think people, um, people are looking um, at crypto more, uh, more carefully right now and more attention um, is, is driven to cryptocurrencies. I, I, I cannot say if, if, if there's like any mass movement to crypto, ultimately to invest in crypto, you need to have spare money. So, um, the, 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 the banking system is already suffering from, from the sanctions. For example, uh, for some banks, um, Apple pay and the Samsung pay stopped working with the, uh, Russian bank cards with, with the, sum of them, uh, actually, um, some people still can pay with their phones, which is a really widespread in Russia. Like you, you normally you could pay with your phone everywhere, uh, but now, but now it's not no more the case anymore. The ATMs are running out of cash because people are withdrawing money because they don't know what's going to happen with their bank accounts. Um, and uh, you know, Russia has a long history of um, you know that the the government or the banks failing people at uh, securing their savings. Um, so, so the situation kind of, you know, feels familiar. It's another crisis. People are taking their money out of banks. So I think some, like definitely some people will turn to crypto and um, at least, uh, at least start learning and investing uh, in, in cryptocurrencies. I don't think it's going to be a massive tide. I mean, what, what, what we call a massive tide um, just because um, not many people in Russia have actual savings, uh, like money that you you can invest in anything. Um, but um, but yeah, it's um, I think at this point it's too early. Um, it's it's we're yet to see what happens with the market. So do you think the headlines around crypto and Russia and Ukraine are overblown? It's just people on Twitter spouting off their own opinions and trying to pin the tail of the donkey here rather than looking at the facts on the ground and saying that crypto probably isn't as big of a player as most people think it is. Look, it's really hard to say. I don't know because there is no, you know, that there is no official statistics. I mean, it's probably better to ask exchanges if they have a big surge, uh, a big surge of um, crypto purchases from Russia. And, um, you know, my social circle is, is not very um, crypto focused. So, People, I would say like people are talking more about crypto now around me normally. And that's, that's been, you know, that, that, that's, that's been disappointing for me. People wouldn't ask me that often, often about crypto. Um, even though I, I, I never, I, I, I always refuse to give advice if they should buy or not. Uh, but anyway, and, uh, and, and now I see that people are raising this topic. Some people are, um, messaging me asking like, what do you think of crypto? Uh, can it be blocked, uh, along with the internet? Can like, is it, is it reliable? Is it going to crash just like the ruble? Um, so, uh, I don't even know, you know, like this situation is so crazy and extreme that, uh, I don't even know if people have, um, you know, have enough resources and, and, and time uh, to, to learn about crypto and, and start doing something, even though I might be wrong. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I think it's, we're yet to see what's going to happen. 
Definitely. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time Bitcoin Twitter jumped to a conversation topic without knowing anything about it, certainly. Well, actually, can you tell me who, who who's selling what? Because I wasn't, I, I hasn't been, I haven't been following the crypto Twitter lately. For sure. But for the most part, it's mostly been uh, Ukraine posted that the official Ukrainian Twitter account posted a link with a BTC address and an ETH address. And people have been sending BTC and ETH to those addresses, of course. Uh, it's not a significant amount. I think it's only about $5 billion this time, maybe a little, little bit more. Uh, that's the value I saw over the weekend. But I've seen a lot of people talk about how Russia is being cut off from the SWIFT system, or at least partially locked out of the SWIFT system. A lot of oligarchs are now losing access to capital around the world. Uh, this Russian central bank has lost access to a lot of its reserves. And now people on crypto Twitter, Bitcoin Twitter are spatting off saying, well, uh, Russia is likely to pick up Bitcoin or might pick up Bitcoin uh, because it's uncensorable money. But to me, that just that topic sounds completely wrong. Um, you have to have an off-ramp and an on-ramp to be on board to a Bitcoin system. And uh, Russia has certainly locked itself out of most ways to access capital. Even if it did liquidate some of its funds into Bitcoin somehow, who would they do that through? And then what would they do if they would just hold Bitcoin on the balance sheet? Like, what, what would be the purpose of that? And then liquidating it off to purchase assets or purchase materials for a war. That would also be difficult to do. So it just seems like the conversation's wrong, but be interested to get your perspective. Well, he, here are uh, several things. First of all, um, uh, the, the Russian government for a long time, actually since the Crimea annexation, has been preparing uh, to the situation in which uh, the, the Russian banking system would, could be isolated from the global financial system. Um, we, we actually do have a kind of um, autonomous uh, payment system that is called called Mir, uh, which is the, the world in Russian, and uh, pretty pretty much all the government employees, all the like municipal employees, like you know state funded um, clinics, schools, uh, kindergartens, uh, civil servants, they all have been receiving salaries to the Mir cards. Um, so I like the government doesn't need crypto to uh to keep the to keep the economy going that's that's for sure uh talking about oligarchs um and um you know just um just big business and even the traditional energy companies um a lot of them have been running mining operations or you know investing in crypto but um non-officially for a long time and 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 also the cryptocurrencies uh even even in the new bill they are you know it's said they cannot be a legal tender so um it's an investment tool you can use it as an investment tool you cannot use it to pay for goods and services so you know that there is again no reason um to turn to crypto increasingly um i think uh people who are uh concerned with the situation will be and um maybe especially those who are planning to leave the country soon will be looking at crypto and uh hoarding more uh because crypto is extremely compact it's easy to take with you yeah but if that if that's gonna significantly change the market it's hard to say it definitely seems like from this conversation that most things are difficult to decipher right now. A lot of the language coming out of the, the central bank beforehand 
in the Ministry of Finance, just from reading your reporting over the last six months, has seemed to indicate that there's been a back and forth between the two institutions. And I think the the war effort has definitely seemed to throw a wrench in that conversation. Uh, just to get your opinion on it, though, if I can, and, and maybe there is no opinion at this time, do you think that Russia itself is going to look at crypto um, with a more negative eye due to the the ability to, for it to be uncensorable money, for people to be funding players in Ukraine, to be able to fund the military in Ukraine? Is that going to cause Russia to look at crypto negatively and put the question into the negative as opposed to crypto uh, becoming a benefit to Russia? Look, first of all, it seems now that pretty much most of things that have been happening before this war started don't matter that much anymore. You know, we we can't even we, we can't even say if there would be a nuclear war or not at this point, because some people have been seriously entertaining the idea. What if it what if it starts? Like so many things seemed impossible before February 24. And, uh, you know, will there, will there be the same government as now after the war ends, whenever it ends? Will there be anything left of the economy? I don't know. Will we be completely isolated from the rest of the world in the economic, political and logistical sense? It's not clear. So, um, Crypto is something people are thinking about now, uh, but mo- but the main thing they're thinking about now is, um, you know, the what's going to happen with the, with the country in general, and 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 what they should do with uh, one or the or the other possible outcome. Definitely, definitely. Just as a journalist, I'm interested, and as a former journalist myself, what's the situation on the ground for your reporting? Is it Difficult right now? Are you fearful of the situation for yourself or for maybe friends in the industry you work in Moscow? Uh, how has how has reporting been over the last few months and compared to right now? Well, the journalism in Russia has been under assault for several years now. Many of uh, my colleagues were labeled foreign agents or undesirable organizations and liquidated. Um, some people were forced to emigrate. Actually, um, the level of political censorship recently has been immense. And uh, I would say the the war was kind of a climax of all the politics Putin has been maintaining um, for many years, in fact, but definitely since 2014. There's been that there's been a an orientation on the possible global isolation for for years. There has been a witch hunt for, you know, inner enemies uh, for for activists, for civil civil activists, for journalists, for civil rights uh, defenders for many years. And now the the past years, it it got really bad, pretty much um, not all, but all the main independent um, outlets were labeled foreign agents, which, which um, imposes a really, really, really huge burden, burden on them uh, regarding uh, financial reporting um, and other stuff. Do journalists feel safe now in Russia? I don't think so. But what's worse, I think um, nobody can feel safe now. 
because in, in the situation like that, the political regime doesn't get nicer and softer. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say. It, it looks now like the Russian elites are in, in shock themselves. Like even the people who participated in this, um, in approving this military operation, they seems to be kind of surprised. Surprised that it turned out to be an all-out war. Because, because Russia has been leading a, like, a hybrid, a proxy war in the eastern Ukraine for many years. Uh, there will be the, the, there has been support for separatist troops for many years, and uh, many people thought, well, it would be just about the eastern Ukraine, about the region of Donbas that broke away from Ukraine. Um, you know, Putin going to use that, you know, as a tool to negotiate some more, you know, to to negotiate a better position with with his geopolitical interests, whatever. But many people, even even people who has been, you know, who who are very knowledgeable, didn't expect the the whole like 20th century style war starting between Russia and Ukraine. It 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 seemed so absurd. And now several days passed and, and people are still in shock. It's like hard to believe it's happening. You open the news in the morning and you and you like emotionally paralyzed. You don't understand what's going on. You don't understand what's going to happen next, and um, how what's happened, and 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 how it's going to hit you personally. So um, yeah, I, I forgot what the question was. Sorry. No, uh, you hit on the head there. Uh, just in terms of journalism within Russia right now, journalism within Russia has always been difficult, uh, but especially within your position right now, in the middle of a you know, within a war. If I may ask, I would say, more, I, I would say the journalism in Russia has been, like is 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 being methodically destroyed um, over the past years. And uh, in fact, like the surprising thing, it still exists. The surprising thing is that there are still independent media that um, are covering this war. So um, yeah, nobody knows what's ha- what happens next. I, again, I, I think that's just been a key point in this conversation is that nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, and that happens to be a thing that does occur in wartime. From your lay of the situation and maybe just from your, your pulse on the community in Moscow, do you think that this goes towards peace talks as we're seeing right now in headlines right now, or does it escalate towards Putin wanting Kiev, or does the war change into a stalemate of some sort? Uh, do you have any inkling of what, what people on the ground think right now is going to happen? Obviously, no one knows what's going to happen at all, but be curious know what Russian citizens are looking at headlines are now, what they're thinking could be the end result here? Well, people are certainly uh, hopeful that uh, these negotiations are going to bring peace, but it's it's very unclear on what what terms this peace could be established and if those terms are acceptable for Ukrainians or for the Russian leadership which I think now is pretty much just Putin alone. Um, so again, what's, what's happening is so irrational, so self-harming for Russia, uh, so shocking even people in the elite, so dependent on the decisions of a single person whose thinking is not clear at all. 
that it's it's really hard to predict what happens next. Next, I want to hope that the war stops, that the shelling of the city stops, that you know people in Ukraine stop sitting on the bombs in their um, in the underground parking lots or whatever uh, in the in the subway stations, uh, and that. Um, you know, it just that, that that it just stopped. In fact, I prefer it, it would never happen to start with. Uh, but, but like I'm I, I really hope that it, it just ends now. That the problem is the stakes at this point are so high that um it's it's hard to even predict what the sides would be able to agree upon. And uh and and the cost of this war anyway will be will be immense but both both for russia and ukraine and and that's still yet to be calculated and um, evaluated definitely as we're wrapping up the conversation what are some ways that listeners could help support perhaps your work in russia or perhaps journalism within russia or uh, any activist organizations that you're directing people towards at this time well there are uh, a few um, human rights uh, organizations in Russia that are fundraising in cryptocurrencies. For example, um, Russia Behind Bars. It's the um, it's the organization. It's it's an NGO helping uh, prison inmates and their families. Um, there is uh, that there is the organization that advocates or like kind of monitors the online censorship and advocates for the freedom of the internet. It's called Roskom Svoboda. It's also raising in crypto. The organization of Alexei Navalny, uh, the now imprisoned um, main Russian opposition politician, is also fundraising in crypto. There is a bunch of others. So that's that that that's about crypto and. Um, some some news media are also doing that. Not many of them, though. There is um there is a media that that there is a really small media that writes a lot about uh, courts and prisons and uh, law enforcement. It's called Media Zona. It's also fundraising in crypto. Um. So um. I don't know. We can we can provide some links, I guess. Um. Or I can um I can toss you a link with um, my story about that 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 I wrote some time ago but um maybe unfortunately not many not many organizations and especially media organizations are fundraising in crypto at this point oh by the way the medusa also does that's 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 um one of the most reputable russian media but i also um i think more more of them might start raising funds in crypto mm-hmm. in the coming in the coming weeks and months but let's see yeah it's definitely been startling to see uh, an address starting with zero X or a Bitcoin address being posted by different organizations involved within the war. Uh, and I want to thank you so much for your time today and for uh, breaking up in the middle of your day, uh, joining us to jump on the podcast and educate our listeners on what's going on with uh, the Ukraine and Russian conflict, along with Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining and everything else that's going on within the region. Uh, be sure to follow Anna on Twitter and then also read her reporting on Coindesk Uh, She's one of the best crypto reporters out there. So be sure to include her in your daily reads. Uh, From all of us us at Compass, thanks for listening. Thank you, Will.